0: Sometimes people, team members, doctors will suggest a solution for something before the patient recognizes it's a problem. They're not that unhappy with the lower incisor crowding. They're not that unhappy with the chip on the frapper on the central. It doesn't bother them. Why would you give them a solution? I mean, you can. It depends on the situation and the patient and the conversation, of course. But until I get the green light that that patient gives a damn, I'm not throwing out solutions. I'm wasting my breath. I'm not relating to the patient. I'm selling, and again, dentists don't like to sell, but you know, you're coming off potentially as, oh, every time I go in there, they try to to sell me a crown. They tell me I need a crown, but I don't see a problem. You are not there to throw solutions to problems they don't see. Welcome to the Truth About Dentistry podcast. I am Dr. Peggy a successful solo dental practice owner in St. John, New Brunswick. After years of figuring out how I wanted to practice, I now run a fully digital clinic providing my own brand of dentistry on my own terms. It wasn't easy and I'm still learning, but I know I have so much knowledge to share. This podcast is created to help inspire young dentists or anyone looking to transition to a more digital practice. I aim to give you actionable step-by-step strategies to help you navigate the modern dentistry landscape. If you're looking to become more digital, improve your skills, or even have a more profitable practice, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get started. So today I want to talk to you about meeting patients where they're at communicating in such a way that they feel you did not talk over them you didn't make them feel bad they don't feel stupid they may have the lowest dental IQ and I'm talking low low dental IQ and I can still and I want to share some ways I do that today talk to a patient and educate them and draw them into my world of like care for their teeth and 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 support be a support for them without making them feel bad, without making them feel in any way like an idiot because there's, you know, four millimeters of tartar on their teeth. Like I can actually do that. And I have done that. And I feel that it's a really important way to treat people because I think it's in any field, you should never make someone feel stupid or bad because they generally probably did not do that on purpose. Yes, there's some element of neglect there or there's some element of just, you know, maybe they're blaming their last dentist or something when really it wasn't their dentist at all and it's up to me to maybe turn it around and educate them on a certain, about what's really going on. But we wanna always do it in a way that not only helps them understand and doesn't make them feel bad, but how can we explain it to in terms that they understand because not all of us got to go to dental school and there are a few exceptions and I can think of the patient names now of the patients that love to hear me talk in dental terms they wanted me explain the scientific you know level and and what what we're actually doing, the science behind something like AVO or the science behind, you know, like tooth movement or a root canal. And they wanna hear all those cool terms and that's really exciting to them because they're very unique individuals. <laughs> but generally people don't and they it goes right over their head. In fact, you're gonna lose the patient and you end up with a patient that isn't engaged, feels a little left out, is just gonna nod in agreement and at the end of the day, you lose. But it isn't about that for me. It isn't about like me losing the patient. I just feel like I want to, one of the things I, reasons why I went into dentistry was because the dentist that I had as a teenager explained things in a way that was very, um, you know, on my level and very did make me feel bad and was very gentle and compassionate. And I always want to do that for my patients. So that's where it comes from for me. So it's it's always at the forefront of my mind to talk to patients in a way that they're going to feel uh, valued for just coming in. They're going to feel respected, they're going to feel educated, but they're really going to get it. Like I wanted them to go, oh my gosh, now I get it. Or no one's ever explained it like that to me before. Those are just that's just like that's just a biggest reward for me when a patient really uh, feels that someone has taken the time to explain it and they don't realize that I probably used analogies or I did it in the terms that they re- they they understood but somehow now they know and they're never going to be able to unknow it because it was so it was so well explained it may take me a little longer, but I have the tools as a digital, in a digital practice, you know, we have, uh, photos and we have, you know, scans and we have ways to show people things that I didn't even have, you know, certainly didn't have 15 years ago, but it's just important that they feel engaged, I think, and not, like I said, to made to feel bad that they, that they didn't know something. I am, very careful about that. And my whole team is very careful about that because that is one of the big important values that we have uh, at Lux Dental. So the first thing I do when I get to know someone, and that's a big part of this, okay? So I have to get to know my patient a little bit first. I got to know where they're coming from. I want to know maybe what they do for a living. I want to know what they've had done in the past. I want to connect with them in some way. But I'm going to base how I explain things. It depends on their personality and it depends on like kind of who they are, what, what type of, what type of interest they have and what I think is going to resonate with them. So for example, if they were a golf pro or they were loved golfing, I'm probably going to use something to do with golfing analogies. And I don't know the first thing about golf, but I can do that. Uh, if it's, if it's football they like, or let's say they're into construction and they're Or they're into, you know, again, it could be building, construction, architecture. It could be they're into cars. They love cars. Or they're into, I will take all kinds of examples from each type of thing that I know that they'll really get. And I'll just use it in an analogy. But what I first have to do is I have to see what are they interested in? Where are, what type of person are they? We do, as I mentioned earlier, have a few patients that, you know, they're into, let's say computers and all this, and they're not into science or into biology stuff at all, but everything I say, dentistry, they're completely fascinated with. So as soon as I get talking to them and explaining things like it could be occlusion or it could be, you know, recession or bacteria in their mouth, they didn't study that. So it's not really something that they're, they're used to talking about, but they're just fascinated. So you can see really quickly what lights them up. So I might say a few things and I see a reaction and then I turn and base the next few things that I say, I either tone it down and make it super simple and super, you know, just simple, or I'll dial it up, which is fun for me because I get to talk in a way that in the language that I would, you know, for anybody. And so that is Again, those patients are rare. If they're not in biology, they're not in medicine. Nurses generally don't want to hear a lot of the details for whatever reason. But also, uh, it just you just see the personality. Like it could be a personality thing, not even necessarily their background. So we wanted to first read the patient and really get an idea as to what types of things they're going to gravitate towards or how they're going to react to me getting into the, the nitty-gritty details. I, I wonder if if a little part of how I kind of... Learn to do this, and I don't know if it just if it should be natural for everyone. But I grew up in a little rural community in Newfoundland. Uh, every weekend, my parents were you know they weren't like hard tickets, if you will. They were partiers, but there was always people around. I always had to engage with different people, uh, very educated people, very uneducated people, and I had to live in a community where there were, like I said, a big range of levels of, um, education and, uh, wealth. I would say, I would say there's nobody was very wealthy, but I would say within that there was, you know, some pretty extreme poverty situations. And there were situations where you just had to be a good person. You had to listen, you had to play, you had to interact. And I was forced into like, just adapting to whoever I was talking to. Now that was my, you know, my, my upbringing and then when I went to university all of a sudden I was amongst all these academics and I had to and this is why you don't hear my Newfoundland accent sometimes I wish I could do a whole episode with my Newfoundland accent and people were like you're from Newfoundland I'm like, yeah but it's because when I was around all the academics at the university, I was expected, or in my head, it was just all made up in my head, I'm sure, that I had to be proper and I had to really talk in a really intellectual way. I mean, going through eight years of university, you, you get that way anyway. But even from the first year I graduated, or when I started undergrad, I knew that there was like a different vibe. So I had to be almost like a chameleon. I had to learn that, and I, and I'm good at kind of, if I'm in a group of people who are just literally rednecks, I can be a redneck. I can also be, I don't know how well I do this, but maybe I'm I'm I can be a redneck easier than I can be a very, you know, proper A professional character if you will. I think I can do either but it comes from growing up in a really rural town in Newfoundland and also just being around all different kinds of people from all different backgrounds. And what that gave me was the ability to really customize my language. So I could talk, you know, my, my best friend growing up, her dad was into cars. And so I knew a lot about that. Or my boyfriend had, you know, was into all that. And there was people in my life in construction and, you know, there's all those things. So I've, it helps again, I'm not saying it's, it's impossible, but I think those of us who are aware that there are these different types of, um, Mm. People that will understand things in, the, in a different way, you should try as your best to adapt. And that is what gives, this is the background of guess how I got to doing this. So hopefully you feel the same way and you've had some of those same experiences and you can, this resonates with you in some way to, you know, realize that that is so important that we we don't try to talk like we know more or we, uh, you know, we're so educated that, you know. If, doesn't matter if you don't understand it this is the way it is i think it's so important to make people feel that you are not cuz generally a lot of times we are you know as a dentist you might be more educated than half the patients in your clinic not from a you know you're not smarter but you're you've had more schooling so you're a bit intimidating as a dentist so they're expecting you to maybe talk over their head or maybe dentists in the past have talked over their head but you want to blow them away by making them feel really at home and make them feel that you know i that you're just like them. That's, that's the key. I think here, do you want to become the modern dentist in your area? Our on demand and live mentorship will help you stand out, attract your ideal patients and build a niche based practice. This A to Z training is for dentists and team who desire the digital workflows and skills to operate a thriving digital practice, helping you stand out in a crowded market. This course is the culmination of Dr. Bound's 20 plus years of experience in building a patient experience that patients will pay more for learn from our on-demand courses, or receive a more customized experience with our mentorship program as we guide you through the curriculum. You can find out more from the link in the show notes, or if you aren't quite ready to take the plunge, you can also find the link to our freebie consult photography guide, which will help you get the right shot on the first attempt. Now back to the episode. I'm going to give a few examples. Honestly, I was trying to think of some of the examples and analogies I use. I tend to use probably new analogies every week and I've been doing this for years and I if you ask Patricia sometimes she's sitting behind the patient and she's like that's so good (laughs) and it's like oh yeah that's really good I should use that again and I will never remember to use that analogy so when I'm sitting here I was thinking preparing for this episode I thought okay what are the things I always say and it's just really it is really hard for me to remember so I'm going to start recording some of these, but the point is, is that there are some basic ones that I do use. And I, when I'm talking about different topics and hopefully, you know, if you, uh, have any of your favorites, please share them with me. And, uh, and yeah, so, so a couple of things I will say, let's say I'm talking about, um, I guess we'll start with a hard one, but would be, you know, the arch form or the, the shape of our mouth and what it should be. Let's say the shape of the mouth is very narrow and, um, you know, or I'm talking about how I'm gonna straighten the teeth and what's gonna happen, and I I say it in a way like it's like a flower blooming. So I say you know it's all curled up, it's very narrow, it's very tight, everything's together, and then as we expand and we and we make your smile more beautiful, we're just gonna kind of like bloom it like a flower. So it's gonna turn into a nice arc. Uh, I'll also use like uh, like a butterfly spreading its wings, or again like I say a flower blooming. So it's it's just a it's just a way to give them a visual, and they're like oh yeah, like all the petals fit. Together like they they all have their place and so that's what teeth are like and I think I use nature as saying you know nature knows that when things are in full bloom things are most expanded they are the most beautiful and that's why your smile is more beautiful when the teeth are you know all in a line and they're not all on top of one another so that's one little example for that another one I will use will be um I talk about them. I mean, of course, we're talking about a, a crown. If a patient keeps having a tooth break, and I said, you know, you're going to need a crown, and I and I tell them, you know, we don't keep patching the road. Of course, here in northern in Canada, we we need to repave more often than you do in the in the more warmer parts of the world. But we, you know, we can't always just keep patching. We have to repave. So that's a simple one. Another one I will use is, you know, the uh, a car analogy where I'm talking about, you know, your 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 brakes and your pads and your rotors don't laugh at me but i'll say you know you're, you've really worn down the brake pads you know and now everything you are just grinding right on you're on the rotors now you know you just now you got to replace everything or i'm trying to save them from that happening and i'll say you know things you're just starting to show are a little bit of wear now it's just like your brake pads like replace those before you got to replace the rotors too right so i'll say things like that i'll use cars i'll say you know, um, your teeth, the way they come together is not, uh, they should be passing each other as if they're passing down a highway, one another, they f- safely go by one another. But I said your teeth are in like a head on collision, right? So of course you're going to get a crash. You're going to get damage. You're going to get chipping. And what we do when we do Invisalign is we move them into their own lane. So I, again, roads, cars, stuff like that when it comes to gum recession i will talk about uh here we have the highest tides in the world here in uh in st john in the bay of fundy and of course tides are always on our mind but tides are everywhere world tides and we'll say i'll say you know the the gums will uh, recede and it's like the tide goes out but it never comes back in that's bad right that would be that wouldn't be normal that wouldn't be natural right so we want to use little things like that if I'm talking to someone who's again in construction or let's say they're into gardening and I'll talk about you know it's really nice to have a nice beautiful foundation like to get the soil ready before we plant those seeds now Patricia she's always talking if she can find a patient who loves gardening she's talking to them about gardening so I'll talk about you know the foundation like preparing the the, the soil and the bed before we plant the seeds or I'll talk about you know how how the the um, you know the, the foundation before you build a house we wouldn't build a house on a foundation. So we need to line the teeth up first, get the foundation right. And then we can put on the beautiful, you know, walls and the art and all these things. We don't want things sort of hanging off the wall improperly. You know, you can put those veneers on, but you're just going to not, it's not going to look right. So I, I hope that, you know, there's one or two of those examples you may be able to use, but there are so many, like every day I just completely, let's say the the person is a hairstylist or something like that, you know, I'll come up with something. I can't even think of it right now, but I'll, I'll, I usually do something that relates to their field or it relates to something very common and simple that, that they, everybody knows about, right? So my last point for this episode is how I guide the patient to making a discovery, a discovery of a problem, let's say maybe, or discovery of a situation or something that's happening. Um, that they they don't need to be told a solution at this point. Until I can get the patient to recognize or be engaged or have a reason for fixing a problem, it's up to us, I think, as as practitioners to really make our patients aware of everything that's happening in their mouth. Like if I was going to my family doctor, I would love for them to just run annually, like run routine blood work, make sure everything, and just tell me, like if something's amiss, tell me there's something's amiss and then it's up to me to say okay well doc what are we going to do about that because that is a, that does bother me or that yes that is something that I would like to do I, sometimes people, team members, doctors will suggest a solution for something before the patient recognizes it's a problem. They're not that unhappy with the lower incisor crowding. They're not that unhappy with the chip on the frupper on the central. It doesn't bother them. Why would you give them a solution? I mean, you can. It depends on the situation and the patient and the conversation, of course. But until I get the green light that that patient gives a damn, I'm not throwing out solutions. I'm wasting my breath, I'm not relating to the patient, I'm selling, and again, dentists don't like to sell, but you know, you're coming off potentially as, oh, every time I go in there, they try to to sell me a crown, they tell me I need a crown, but I don't see a problem. You are not there to throw solutions to problems they don't see. So that is how I do it. Again, everybody can do things their own way. But that's another thing that I do. I really try to make sure through the intraoral photography, we have intraoral cameras in every room. We have intraoral scanners. We use Niri. We use the time lapse. We use the occlusogram. We take extra oral photos. We track everything. We update our panoramic x-rays. We make sure that we're taking all the documents and educating but not over educating. You know, if you had to, if you're going to say it the same thing to them every six months, well, now that's also getting a bit tired. If you're not getting a response, chart that they really don't care and don't bring it up again the next two times. You know, that's another, I guess, little aspect of that. So, yeah, so just meeting your patients where they're at, communicating in a way that they understand and just making sure that they're aware and getting them to ask you for solutions. I think that's, that's gonna be a game changer, especially for those younger dentists that just like don't know what to say and may not be a patient that you've seen before and you're in a new practice. You, you may be a little bit uncomfortable with presenting treatment. Well, you shouldn't be presenting treatment until you have a patient that really understands. But as long as you talk to them in a way that is at their level and that they, you're engaging and you're having fun, you're using analogies that make everybody laugh, they're going to think you're a great dentist, and that's that's important. That's really important. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to to listen to this podcast. And again, hopefully I inspired you in some way. If you feel this was helpful or you have any colleagues that you think would really maybe enjoy some, some of the content like this, we're going to be here every week. And I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe to my channel and also share this little discovery of this new podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you do want to reach me, you can certainly find me through my social media channels, Dr. Peggy Bound or Peggy Bound Dentistry, and/or you can reach me on my email, Peggy at SmilesByBound.com.